We are, I'm sure I did that right, we are just a, a uh, this is our second in a new series that we're beginning in 1 Timothy. Uh, we did Titus, uh, which was uh, a letter that Paul had written to a pastor, uh, a young-ish kind of guy, probably not as young as Timothy. Uh, Timothy was, uh, was also a pastor. Paul had mentored Timothy. He calls him my child in the faith. I'm not sure if Paul actually had the opportunity to lead him to the Lord or not, since Timothy had a godly grandmother and a godly mother who instilled in him uh, the, the teaching from the Word from early on. But Paul is writing to Timothy, and, and he began, um, we, we just did verses 1 and 2 last week, Paul began uh, by really just, just kind of encouraging him as he began the letter to him, identifying himself, and, and Paul launches into it. Normally, when Paul writes a letter, um, he begins with the greeting, and then there's an offering of prayer or an encouragement uh, as he goes along. But in, in Timothy, Paul launches right into the meat of the letter. Um, have you ever done that before? You ever called somebody? I don't know. We don't call people anymore, do we? Um, I, I have to tell people all the time, when I'm texting you, um, first of all, wait, because I text slowly. But when I'm texting you, um, don't mistake brevity for terseness. In other words, don't think that I'm mad if I give one one word answers. You know, are, are you around today? Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, you asked me a question, I answered. So, so Paul, um, as Paul writes this letter, he launches right into the meat of the letter. He doesn't take time to to express a prayer or a greeting, or he, he kind of did the little greeting, but, but encouragement. Paul just kind of launches into it. Now, now for those of us who still actually talk on the phone, um, it's funny, my daughter's not here, so I can tell this. Uh, we use uh, straight talk, and you get 10 gig of high-speed data, and then it like slows to a crawl where it feels like you don't have any data at all, even though it's unlimited. Not quite sure how that works. And, and so, so she goes, Dad, I can't do anything on my phone. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, I can't look on Facebook. I can't look on Instagram. I can't even send a message. I said, can you still talk on it? Because way back when, that's what phones did. You talked on them. Anyways, I don't have much time. I need to get going, don't I? So, so for those of you who still talk on the phone, sometimes, because we have caller ID now, we know who's calling us, so, so we, we pick it up and we might skip all the little niceties. Do you do that? Uh, especially like if you're in a hurry, you know, I, I might call Kurt and Kurt might say, hey Larry, I might say, hey look, I need you to da 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 you know, um, and then hang up and I'm like, oh, I probably should have said, hey Kurt, how's it going today, you know. Uh, but sometimes we just launch right into it. Paul does that. Let me just read it to you. Uh, verses 3 through 11 in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And then we'll kind of unpack some of this. Paul writes to Timothy, As I urged you when I, was going, when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. 
Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel and of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Paul just kind of jumps right into it, doesn't he? Uh, he doesn't say, hey, Timothy, how's it going? Hey, Timothy, was glad to hear from you. Enjoyed the letter. Hey, Timothy, was following you on Facebook. And No, they didn't have that. But uh, He doesn't say any of that. He, he says the short little greeting, two verses, and then just jumps right into it. And, and part of this may be because Paul was very familiar with Timothy. They had spent countless hours together. Now, now mind you, you know, we, we do things a little differently now. Uh, if we mentor someone now, we might meet with them once a week, right? We might go places with them or take them some places with us. But Paul's mentoring with Timothy was probably similar to Jesus and the disciples. It was a 24-7 kind of thing. He was with him all the time. Where Paul went, Timothy went. What Paul did, Timothy did. Where Paul slept, Timothy slept. What Paul ate, Timothy ate. And so for, for years, Paul had mentored Timothy, and they were probably very familiar. So that may be one of the reasons that Paul just launches into this, uh, the, the meaty part of the letter without any of the niceties or not many of the niceties. The other one, I believe, is probably more likely is that the urgency of the letter demanded that Paul jump right into it. That what Paul was addressing here was false teaching. And that it was such an urgent thing, I, I, I think that, that Paul sat down and as he penned this letter, that, that the, the meaty part of it was all Paul could have on his mind. And, and as he began writing, Paul just jumps right into it with Timothy. False teaching, I've said this before, we, we covered this a little bit in Titus, but, but man, you can hear anything from anybody, anytime in this day and age that we live. Anybody have podcasts that you like to listen to? This is the participatory part, you can, you can yeah. Um, I, 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 can, I can tell you this, if you like watching on TV, if you like to still have TV and do that kind of thing, um, if you like watching... Um, the guys that are on at probably three in the morning, you don't just need, you just don't. Just don't listen to them. But you can hear anything. Um, I tell people all the time, they, they say, what, what are some tools that you use for a Bible study? And so I give them some, and I, I always throw Google in there like, do oh, you use Google for Bible study? I said, well, no, let me clarify. I use Google when I have that verse. You ever have that? You're walking around, and you're going, what verse is it? I only remember like three words of it. Well, Google's great for that. Now, don't listen to what they say about the verse unless it's somebody you know, but, but you can find anything. Do, do you know, now this isn't biblical teaching, but, but do you know that there is, I, I don't know if I get the name right, but it's like the Flat Earth Society. There are people, and I think they for real believe the earth is flat. Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. Google it. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. And you can hear all kinds of weird teaching. You can podcast. There are people going to great lengths and all these things. And, and, and we, we might think, you know, but it's fun to listen to. 
that this is, it's not going to hurt anything. Let, let me, let's just dig into what Paul talks about here. Two things that, that false, false teaching does that, that I think we need to be really careful about. Now, it, it, it may not be false teaching that says that Jesus and Satan are brothers. That, that is a false teaching that somebody teaches. Did you know that? It may not be false teaching that says that God was once a man. Now, not that God the Son became flesh. That's in the Bible. But that God the Father was once a man and has attained Godhood. And he's the God for this universe. It it may not be as blatant as that. It it may not be uh, even as blatant as saying that the Bible is simply a good book of guidelines that you can read and and follow them or, or not. It may not be as big as that, the false teaching, but false teaching always does two things at least. One of them is this. False teaching always distorts. It always twists. It always changes. It distorts the truth. Paul says here in verse 3, As I urged you when I was going away to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. Now, the word for different there is hetero. You, you've heard that word. Um, heterosexual, that means different kind is, is, is the word in there. So what Paul's saying is, is, I left you there so that you can charge people not to teach a different kind of doctrine. What does that mean? It means that they've taken the, the sound doctrine and they've changed it. They've twisted it. They've distorted it. Well, it doesn't really mean this. What it really means is this. Or, oh, you know what? If you understand this part of Scripture to mean this, then you'll know that that part of Scripture really means something else. And false teaching always distorts. It always changes. It always twists it. Sometimes very little. But it's still dangerous. False teaching always distorts. Always. The second thing that false teaching does is that it distracts. And this second one may be more dangerous in our day and time than the first. I don't know. In verse 4, he says, Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. Here's the idea that Paul's saying here. Paul's saying, Timothy, charge these guys not to teach a different kind of doctrine, not to, not to twist the truth, but also not to get off into these, these endless genealogies, these myths, these, these things that just lead to speculation. Now, I know, I know, I, I love to tease things out that are in Scripture, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I love to dig a little bit. and In fact, I, I'll give you some things about some, some good things to, to think about as you study the Bible. And so one of, because I, I, I love languages anyways, but because I, I, I love to do that, here's, here's something that I have to watch for personally. That, that I don't get so caught up in, oh, well, if this means this, then this means this. Hmm. So I wonder, if Adam and Eve didn't have belly buttons, what did their stomachs look like? You know? Um. Uh, there are some things that, that and, and I've told you this before, when I read the Bible, I, I read it like I'm there. And, and so because of that, I, I tend to like maybe get a, a little bit more into it than, than some. And, 
And, and so, you know, the other thing that, that, that I, I thought about in, in Genesis, the serpent comes up and talks to Eve. She didn't scream and run away. Did animals talk? That one did, and it didn't surprise her. Now, here's the deal. Is it okay to ask that question? I think it is. Is it okay to make that a 16-week Bible study? Not on your life. <laughs> False teaching always distracts. Listen, Satan doesn't care if you study the Bible 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, if the things you're going to study is about what Adam and Eve's stomach looked like without a belly button. He doesn't care if you dig and dig and dig into this, if all you're going to go is, well, if animals talked, well, then did they think? Did they have a soul to get off? He doesn't care. If it distracts you from the truth, he'll feed it to you all the time. And false teaching always distracts. It keeps you from the truth. And, and, and I know, because I just I like to know things that drives people around me probably crazy. We'll be having a discussion, and, and I say it's this, and they say it's that. And I say, well, let me Google it and see. You know, my daughter's like, Dad, I don't care. I'm like, well, I do. <laughs> I don't want to be wrong. It's okay if you're wrong, but I don't want to be wrong. It always distorts, and it always distracts. Now think about that in, in the life of the church. If Satan can distort the truth, and if he can distract us from the truth, then we've lost. He's got us. And, and, and he doesn't care how much we study if he can do that. So let me tell you then about what sound doctrine does, what true teaching does. And, and for this, I'll skip ahead to the next letter. 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 say this. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let me give you three things. I know there's four here, but I'm, I'll combine two because I like threes. That's just the way I am. Three things that true teaching does. First, it instructs. Now, now, this word for instructs is really, it's teaching. It is, it is helping you to know the things that you should do. It's instructing you in how to live is really the idea in this. All Scripture is breathed out by God. I love this translation because that's really what it means. Inspired is another translation. translation. And it's profitable for teaching. It instructs you in the way that you should live. Why is that important? Because the, the world's not going to do it. Nobody else is going to do that. Now, we as parents and grandparents are to instruct our children and our grandchildren. But true teaching instructs. True teaching teaches you how you should live. But there's another thing that it does. This one we don't like as much. It corrects. The way he says it here, it's good, it's profitable for reproof, or rebuke, some of your translations may say, and for correction. Now, I would rather have correction than I would rebuke. Anybody? I don't like, and we need it sometimes, you know, what you did was wrong. 
I don't like to hear that, especially from someone I respect. But the Bible will do that for you. As you read Scripture and true teaching from Scripture will point out the areas where you're wrong. And that's okay. That leads to repentance. Where we turn away from that and then turn back to God. For correction. Now I know. My dad corrected me from behind normally. Is that a good way to put it? That's usually what I think of correction. But, but here what it's talking about is, is turning you back to the way that you should go. So think of it as, a, as a, a, someone who is apprenticing in a wood shop. And, and the, the, their mentor, their trainer, teacher is, is showing them how to do this. And so they watch and they watch and they watch. And then finally it's their turn to try. And so they began to do it. And, and this is the idea of correction here in Scripture. The mentor says, okay, now instead of that way, turn, turn just a little bit this way. And, and angle this one, and you want to go really slow. That's the idea of correction here. And that's what Scripture does for us. That's what true teaching does for us. It, it not only instructs us in how we're to live, but it corrects us. It'll point out where we're doing it wrong, and then show us. Show us how we can, we can change that so that we can do it the right way, correcting our actions. And then it does another thing. True teaching transforms. That one is harder for us. Because here's what that means. That means that if we are listening to true teaching, if we are studying Scripture, if we are letting God speak to us, that we are going to be being changed. That, that we're not the same as we're, when we were when we read it. We're not the same after we study uh, uh, the Bible as we were before. Because it transforms us. It changes us. I love Romans 12 too. It says, and you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is the exchanging of, of our thoughts and ideas or the world's thoughts and ideas with God's thoughts and ideas. And it changes us. And there's a life change that happens. True teaching always, always leads to life change. Now, I know, I know. It's a lot more fun to just get some information, isn't it? it, it it's a lot more fun, or, or I should say, it's a lot less painful sometimes for me to, to just memorize some stuff or to say, ooh, okay, well, if animals talked, well, then this would mean this and this would mean that. Or, or you know, you go back, I just think about weird things maybe. That's just the way I am. That, that Adam had to have been a really smart guy. He had to have been highly, highly, highly intelligent they say, some people say, and I've heard that that's not true, but it still sounds good anyways, that we only use like 9 to 11% of our brain's capacity. It feels that way most of the time. But, but God didn't create a lot for nothing. So if Adam used 100% of his brain's capacity, he named all the animals. Good grief, we can't even remember the names of all the animals. He named them all. See where I'm going with that? If that doesn't produce any life change, I've missed it, haven't I? True teaching 
isn't only interesting, it isn't only fun, it isn't only exciting, but it always produces life change in us. True teaching is not for information, but for transformation. Always. So, so why am I telling you this? If you sit through any study that just gives you a bunch, or teaching that gives you a bunch of information, and that's where it stops, wasn't true teaching. Let me say that again. You can, you can sigh. True teaching always leads to transformation. If you sit through a study and it only gives you information and that's where it stops, it wasn't true teaching. It's got a lot of information. So, so what, should we, what should we look for when we study the Bible? How should we study the Bible? Let me give you three things. Uh, the, the big big word for this is hermeneutics. Really what that means is how do you study the Bible? Let me give you three things to, to ask yourself as you read Scripture. Three things to ask yourself as you study or as you, as you sit under teaching. And, and I call them this, and Warren, I'm going to say them. You don't have to pop them up real quick. We'll come back to them. It's the what, the so what, and the now what. I can remember that. So first of all, you, you want to know the what. As you're reading scripture, as you're sitting in a study, or you're sitting in teaching with someone, you want to know the what. The what is saying, what is the Bible saying to the people it was written to at the time? That, you know that, right? You know Paul was writing to Timothy. There was a real guy named Paul, the apostle, writing to a real pastor named Timothy. And it had to do with real circumstances and situations happening in the church in Ephesus. And, and so the first thing we need to do as we, as we study that is to find out what, what was Paul saying to Timothy? What was Timothy hearing from Paul? And, and what did that mean for them in the church in Ephesus? That's the what. Um, we, we call that observation. So you look to see what it says in that context, in that culture. That's not all. That's just information. The second part is this. So you get the what. Now that you have the what, you ask, so what? What does that mean for me? What is it saying for me? What does it say for me? That's called interpretation. So if we read what, what Paul is writing to Timothy for the church in Ephesus, we know how that applied for them or what that meant for them. Now I have to say, I don't live in that culture. I live in this culture. So what does that mean for me here? Women, don't cut your hair, was something Paul said. He's saying that in a specific context to specific people and specific culture. We don't live in that culture, but we need to understand what that meant for them so we can say, what does that say for me? What does that mean for me then? What does that mean in our culture? And that's called interpretation. Now, now here's something you need to be careful about. The observation and interpretation ought to be pretty much the same for everybody. Let me say that again. Some of you don't believe it. The observation and interpretation ought to be pretty much the same for everybody. 
that we don't want to fall into as we're studying, saying, well, what does that mean to you? Hmm. You know. Now, now, I know where we're going, where we're trying to go when we say that, and we'll get to that in a second. But just be careful. There are not many interpretations of Scripture. There shouldn't be. Not in this sense. That, that the interpretation in our culture ought to be the same. We have to interpret from their culture to ours. So once we get the what, and once we get the so what, now I have to ask, now what? We get the what and the so what. That's what Paul was saying to Timothy for the church in Ephesus. So I get that. I get what that means in this culture, in our context. But what does that mean? And, and what I mean by that is, what does that mean for me to do? And that's called the application. This is where it gets real personal. Now, how you apply it to your life it's probably going to be different than the way that I apply it to my life. And, and that's where it's different for everybody. That's where we say, oh, okay, well, okay, so for me, what that means is this week when I talk to this guy, this is what needs to change. And that's a very personal thing. So you have the what? Observation, what does it mean? The so what, that's the interpretation. What does it mean for me? And then you have the now what, that's the application. What does it mean for me to do? Why did I give you that? Well, true teaching is never just for information, so it's not just so you can say, oh, I learned a word today. It's called hermeneutics. <laughs> I want you. be transformed by this word. I want you, well, first of all, I, I want you to seek out true teaching. I want you to study the Bible. But I don't want you to study for information. I, I don't want to spend time preparing to come uh, and, and preach to you, to bring a message to you, so that you can have a bunch of information. Honestly, if we wanted to be real transparent and real honest with ourselves, we probably already know far more than we're doing. You get that? We probably already know far more than we're applying. So I don't want to just give you more information. What I want to give you is a way that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind that comes from this living word of God. But I also want you to be aware of false teaching. Stay away from it. Run. Do you, you know how this is, this is really good practical stuff. Um, I would say for young folk, but it's for all of us. Do you know how the Bible tells us to deal with temptation? Flee. <laughs> Flee, get out of there, run. It's the same with false teaching. Whenever you encounter false teaching, remember, false teaching distorts, it twists the truth, and it distracts, it keeps you from seeking the truth. True teaching always, always instructs, corrects, 
and transforms. And so when you encounter false teaching, just, just leave it behind. You don't need to try to find out everywhere it's wrong. You don't have to. What I want you to do is, is to be able to see things through the lens of Scripture and say, no, that's not right, that's not right. But then when you study Scripture, I want you to be changed. I want you to be different. I want you to be transformed by God's Word. So let me ask you a challenge in closing or challenge you with a question in, in closing. Are you being changed? Are you different today than you were yesterday? Are, are you different now than you were last week? If, if not, then I have a follow-up question. Are you getting into God's Word? Are you, are you reading it so that it can get into you and change you? One of the most encouraging scriptures is in Romans chapter 8 where he says, and you are predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. I want to be conformed into Jesus' image. When Paul writes Timothy, he says, for I am confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day Jesus comes back. I want that. So if you're not being changed, are you in his word? If you're not, let me encourage you. Just start reading God's word. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be enrolled in seminary or even a Bible college. You just need to read and say, God, use your word to change me from the inside out. And I promise you, he will. He will. Let's pray. God, Lord, I pray that you would give us a hunger for your word. But more than that, Lord, I pray that you would give us a hunger for being changed into the image of Jesus. And God, I know in this world there's so many places we can go for teaching. It's, in one way, it's wonderful, God. I get to hear some amazing preachers. I get to hear some amazing teaching, some some guys who are so far further down the road than, than I am that, God, I can gain from their wisdom. But Lord, I also know in this day and age of information and technology that, God, there's a lot out there that, Lord, is just false. Father, I pray that you would guard us from false teaching, that you would help us to remember, uh, God, that true teaching always instructs, corrects, and transforms. And then, God, I pray that you give us a hunger for your word so that we can be changed and, and made into the image of Jesus Christ. And God, as we study spirit, we pray that you would teach, and that you would work, that you would convict us, that you would bring us back to, to you through repentance, and that you would change us into the image of Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.